0: Hey everyone, my name is Zach Adams. We had a shorter message this past Sunday because we took some time to give Outpost's newest hire, Jake Williams, the opportunity to share some of his story. If you want to check that out, it can be found under Jake Williams story. So please go listen to that after you finish listening. to this. Thanks. Well, guys, um, I don't know what's a great way to transition this, um, but actually we're just going to do it in a, a typical Greg way. We're going we're gonna to laugh for a second because sometimes we just need that. So we're going to play a video for you guys as we transition to 1 Corinthians 13. So if you've got a Bible, you go there. Um, But while we're going there, we've got a video for you uh, just to uh, remind you, we're talking about love today. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. So just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. I'm looking 365 letters. I wrote you every day for years. Who knows what movie this is? Yes. Sinners. still Miss Elizabeth I have struggled in faith, and I can bear it no longer these past months have been a torment I think the risks of the single object of seeing you are to see I have fought against my better judgment my family's expectation the inferiority of your birth, my rank, and circumstances all these things and I'm willing to put them aside and ask you to end my agony I don't understand I love you Most oddly. Please do give me one of accepting my heart. I love you. You. Complete me. And I just had- Shut sh- up. Just shut <laughs> up. You had me at hello. Man, aren't uh, so Addison made fun of me. I kind of look, let me just confess that I like rom-coms and I'm just going to tell you if it has no rom, it's still comedic. Or, I mean, it has no com- comedy. It's still funny to me. Uh, how many of you are like, you already knew what she was going to say before she said it right there at the end. You knew what she was going to say. Yeah, you knew <laughs> you had me. At hello. All right. Well, we are going to be in First Corinthians 13 and I'm going to try to do what I typically do in about 10 minutes. Um, okay, because I feel like what we need to see in the front end was important. And I do, we wanted to talk about that today because we do think it's connected to this passage of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, but here's the problem with love. It's been watered down. It's been uh, distorted by things like movies and music and phrases like love is love which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like saying apples are apples, okay? Um, That's really dumb, okay? Um, Pornography has destroyed our idea of what love is. And so really we're all asked, what is love? And uh, the reality is if you see how much we sell this idea of love, how important it is to our culture and how important it is to our world, we know that we need it. We need love. But we need love in the way that God has defined it. And so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13... But let me just situate the context for you and just reveal to you that it doesn't matter what the context is. 1 Corinthians 13 should be situated in every topic of conversation in the entire Bible because it is the center of everything that we say and do. It underlines everything. So chapter 12, last two weeks, we talked about spiritual gifts and the interdependence of the body. Next uh, few weeks, chapter 14, we're going to be talking about the uh, spiritual gift of prophecy and speaking in tongues and why we should have order in our services. And in the middle of this conversation he talks about love okay and so this is what he says so we're going to break it down into three points first is life without love is nothing a life without love is absolutely nothing this is what he says verse one if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal And if I have prophetic powers and all understanding and of all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So in the Corinthian church, and we'll speak through this quickly, in the Corinthian church, these guys were using one another to kind of establish some kind of value in their life. So even their service of others and what they were using their giftings for, they were ultimately doing it to serve themselves. they were ultimately doing it to love themselves. Do we not do that? We absolutely do that. What does that look like for us? We will attend services. We will give. We will serve somewhere. We'll deploy, hoping that in all of this church thing, that we'll have hope and we'll have peace. We'll have hope and we'll have peace. And some of you are so gifted. You're incredibly gifted, but you have no love. So you're like a clashing symbol. You're a gifted but annoying man is what you are. You're so annoying because it's all about you and your giftings. And so he says, listen, you can, and using hyperbole here, he said, you can have all of this, guys. you can be the most gifted man in the world. If you don't have love and you don't do it with love, you are nothing. But even more than that, he says, verse 3, look at this. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Gain nothing. So in other words, you got to ask yourself this question. Jake had to ask himself this question. I have to ask this question all the time. Why am I doing this? What is my aim? What am I looking to get out of all of this? If I'm looking to get out of you and out of all this, just love and, and joy and peace, getting approval, what he's saying is you will gain nothing. If you're trying to just get those things, you won't get it. Here's what I want to tell you. I think this reveals something really powerful that we need to understand in the church of Cody, okay? I believe there are hundreds of men and women out there who are at their houses right now who are not a part of the body of Christ, who used to be deeply and richly a part of the body of Christ, serving and giving of their giftings and their talents and treasures. And they did all these things, but after a time, they began to see they had no more joy than when they were in their raft floating down the river, slaying trout. And they began to realize Man, it's better to just get up on the ski slopes on a Sunday than do this. And they're right. And the reason why they're right is because the whole time, their whole aim in doing all this church business was them, not the love of God or the love of others. When you set your aim to do nothing but use and abuse everybody around you to aim to love you, to, to love yourself, you'll find you get nothing, you gain nothing, you will be nothing, you will be a clashing, annoying symbol is all you'll be. And so people, unfortunately, because of bad discipleship, have arrived at these hopeless positions after doing all the Christian thing. And they're like, I did that for a while, but it's not there anymore. I met a guy in the gym this week who went to seminary, got a degree, and he's like, I just don't believe this stuff anymore. It's not because God's not good. It's kind of like this. It's like if I buy my wife flowers, okay? Which I have done on occasion, all right? Um, I know my wife doesn't really like roses. uh, And I don't really like roses, I mean, I do like flowers, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Just let me tell you the point, okay? The point is this. If I go to buy one of my flowers, like say I go buy her roses, all right? I love her. I say, I love you, baby, and I give her roses. She says, why'd you buy me roses? You know I don't even like roses. Buy me something the color yellow, anything but roses. If she responds like that, that's pretty ungrateful, right? Like I bought her flowers. She's trying to love her. But if I respond back like this, it tells a lot about the whole situation. If I go, well, Heck with you. Who are you? You ungrateful woman. I bought you flowers. I spent $12 on these things. Right? If I act like that, what does it say about me and my love? It wasn't love. I bought her flowers so that I could get a certain reaction out of her that for some reason would approve of my actions and show me that I'm a good guy. Ultimately, it wasn't about my wife and the flowers. It was about me. Do we not do the same thing all day, every day in the church and with every relationship? Love is this. When we love as God intended in a selfless way, not worried about the responses of others, we have joy and peace. And peace comes from not worrying about the outcome, but choosing to focus on living God's way and trusting Him with the outcome, knowing that no matter what happens, I'm loved by Him. He's in control. Do you know God spends all of history loving you, even though you respond? and the whole world responds by spitting in his face. Without love, life is nothing. Okay? So what is love? It's stuck in your head now, isn't it? You just you felt it, you wanted to sing it. Every time we mentioned in the office, someone Sydney would just bust out, "What is love?" Okay, so let's go to verse 4. What is love? Just so you know, Sydney cannot sing. <laughs> Sorry, Sydney, I just outed you. Verse 4 it says this, "What is love? Love is Patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8. Love never ends. Dallas Willard defines love this way. I think it's brilliant. Write this down. He says, we love something or someone when we promote it's good for its own sake we love someone and I buy flowers for my wife I love her for her own sake you know so they didn't say anything about her reaction just for her sake Now, when we look at these statements in here, Paul lists off is and is not statements. And you look at them, you say, you know, love is uh, patient, but it's not arrogant. It is kind, but it is not resentful. And these are kind of like bumpers on a bowling lane, right? Hey, it's not this gutter or this gutter. It's right here in the middle. And if you go down this way, you're going to hit some pins. This is what love is. and So he tries to bumper us in now. Regardless of how good of a bowler you might be, the problem when we read this list is we cannot do this. When you read this, you don't go, I'm killing it. If you say that, go back and read where it says it's not boastful. Okay, it's not. When I read that list, I go, patient? You should have seen me trying to get Liv in the car to get to school. I was going to kill her this past week. And all the parents said, amen. The reality is when you read this list, you should run your whole life, pour through the filter of what this says. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. When I pour, I'm gonna be very honest, when I pour my life through the filter of what this describes, I find a lot of things get caught up and not a lot is coming out the other end. You hear that? You are meant to look at this and go, number one, I can't do that. So the next question you say, who can actually even do this? And the answer is God, because God is love. God is the is statements, and God is not the is not statements. When you apply this to God, you realize this is who God is. Guys, you cannot dwell and think on anything more or better than this, that when you read this list, this is the God you just sang to and sang about. It's him. Kind, compassionate. He's not resentful. The thought of thinking of God being resentful, I resent her. It's just silly. Isn't it weird to think that God is that way? But at the same time, to even try to think about God's love is unfathomable. Like you just can't even understand it. It's absolutely outside of our ability to really understand how much God is pure, unadulterated love. Applied to God, this would mean that God, being the definition of love, only seeks the good of others, regardless of their reaction to his love, his patience, compassion, kindness, and even his justice are pure, unadulterated outcomes of his being a loving being. And to say this of God is to say this of Jesus. Okay, the next thing you understand, and I want you to understand from this, is this. Uh, God is love and you were created out of his love. There's a bad understanding out there, this idea that before everything existed, God was alone and he felt lonely. So he needed to create somebody that he could love. That's not true. You were not created to love. You were created out of God's love because the love has no ending, but it also has no beginning. Love is eternal because inside of the Godhead, the Trinity, love has existed for all time. So every fiber of your being, every protein, every atom that you are was lovingly placed the way it is because God loves you. Do you realize that? Colossians 1. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? He is before all things and in him all things hold together. The loving God of the world who puts you together is still holding you together because he loves you. He loves you. And that love never ends. But in the very beginning, man rejected the love of God, didn't we? We rejected God, a God like that who loves us. And we said, you know what? I resent the fact that you're holding something back from me. This snake just told me that you don't want me to know certain things. And you know what? I want to know those things. And so here's the example. When you seek to go out to uh, grab something for yourself in love, you'll find that you won't gain anything. You will be nothing. You will lose everything. And when Adam and Eve grabbed that opportunity, seizing it for themselves, darkness came into the world. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Darkness came to the world, and suddenly we could no longer see correctly. When I was uh, working at a camp, we would take people to this place called Limbo Caves. Not worth your time. Um, Okay, and we would go there, and we'd go into these caves, and they had lights going all the way in because it's so dark in there, right? Well, there's a stream that goes through this entire cave, and inside of that stream, because they had the lights on, you can see there's fish in there, all right? But these fish are all blind, All of their eyes are pale. They can't see anything. Even if they swim out the cave, which they can easily do, they still cannot see because they've been living in darkness. You can't define love. You cannot do love because you are blind by sin. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that the, the God of this world, Satan and his legion of demons, is constantly trying to shroud your eyes from seeing the light of God's truth and glory, to hide it from you so that you can't see it and so you are blinded recently a few years ago they, a new uh, black paint came out it's the blackest of black paint that you could ever buy and it's actually uh, it's built in such a way that when you put it on and it dries it actually uh, develops these cones and the cones what it does is like when the light comes in and it hits into those cones instead of refracting off of it it gets captured inside of those cones Okay? So it's like this. You could see my face. You could see the contours of my face, right? See this gigantic eyebrow bone I have. You ever notice that? Watch when I turn sideways. It's like two noses. It's ginormous, right? You could see that. If I painted my my face black right now with a normal black, you, you would still be able to see the shadows of my face, see the three dimensions, right? With this black, it is so black that if I painted my face black with this black, you would look at me and all you would see is a circle. You would not be able to even see my face, my nose, anything. It disappears. Not only are you guys blind, but your love and understanding of the world has become flat. We have a blind and flat understanding of this world. And this world is dark and it's broken. Turn on the news for three and a half minutes and you'll find it. Scroll on Instagram, 10 minutes, you'll see it. And in Isaiah's day, it was equally as dark. But God gave Isaiah a prophecy and it says this, Isaiah 9, verse 2 and verse 6. Verse 2, the people, walked, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. What is he talking about? Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Our great and loving God put on flesh and dwelt among us as a light to the true way of life. Jesus burst into the darkness to reveal to us the real way. Remember what I said about Dallas Willard's definition of love? He says, when we love someone when we seek their good for their sake. Paul says it like this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake, He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friend, God loves you for your sake. and For the sake of his glory. God is love. You were created out of his love, but you were also created to love. You guys were created to love. It's in you. It's in your DNA. You were meant to do this. In fact, All of the law can be summed up in this one thing. What is it? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Romans 13, eight through nine says, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Every single morning I drop my daughter off at school, we pray for two things. Okay, we say, God, help us love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and help us love our neighbor as we love ourselves every day. And she goes, Okay, see you, Dad. <laughs> I feel so loved. <laughs> Guys, you were born and created to love. We were meant to love others. But here's the problem, and it's okay. Listen, here's the problem. Right now, you are living in the already, but the not yet. Hear me? Right now you're in the already, but the not yet. What is that? Verse eight, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Let me quickly tell you this. Many people come to this passage right here and they get it all wrong because they got their mindset on something else rather than leading, reading it contextually. This is not promoting something called cessationism. See, I told you, miracles and signs and wonders are going to go away, cessation, they're going to cease. Okay, I don't know why I always go to like a weird Southern Baptist list, but I do. Okay, you know, I lived in South Carolina, North Carolina too long. I don't know why. But um, what it's actually saying here is this. It's not saying that these are going to stop while we live here in history. What it's pointing to is that there's coming a day when they will be unnecessary. And it's called the day of the Lord. The great day of the Lord. We will no longer need to speak in tongues because we'll be with God. We'll no longer need prophecy because we'll be living in prophecy fulfilled. What Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians and trying to tell you guys is, listen, everything that you're trying to do right now, you're not gonna do it anymore when this is all said and done. But there's one thing that's always existed and will continue on. It's been running like a stream. And as it's ran like a stream, God gave us these giftings to be with it. But one day when he comes to return us, they'll disappear and it'll continue. And it is love. That's why he says it will never end. Don't you understand that? We got to all go, man, I don't get it. And this is what he says next. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. We also look at this and we look at our sons. See, be a man, right? But that's not what it's talking about. What he's saying is right now, you, sir, with the beard on your face are a child compared to the man you will be standing in glory with God. Right now. You're like when I'm trying to explain something to my daughter. We watch a movie. and She's like, I don't know what that means. And I try to explain it. She's like, I don't know what that means. Right? And it's really difficult for her to understand it. Why? Because she's limited. Guys, God knows that you're limited in your ability to love. He knows that you're limited in your ability to understand these things. He loves you in that. You're a child in understanding this like God. That's why you need to reach out for the hand of your father. Listen to me. That's why, like my son Boone, when we're crossing a street, you need to hold his hand because he will get you across. He will get you to the other side. You cannot. You're risking danger and destruction. So hold the hand of God with a fierceness, trusting in him. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, he doesn't say a window. He says a mirror. What do you usually see when you look in a mirror? You see you. He's saying this. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Listen to this. Even as I have been fully known. Hey, listen to me. You don't even know you that well. How can you love yourself that well if you don't even know who you are? You're looking into a distorted, lying mirror. It's been distorted by sin. And so you're looking at it and say, that's not the right size and that's not the right shape. And I'm kind of disfigured here. It's making you fearful and anxious. And all it does is destroy you because you're basing all of your life's existence off something that's not true. But he says, listen, when you, God, look at this. God already fully knows you and he knows what's best for you. And one day you'll get to see yourself as you truly are. And I want to tell you this right now. In a sinful world, this doesn't make sense. But in a world where there's glory, it makes sense. There will be a day that if you could see who you are right now, you would be tempted to bow down to yourself. You're like, dang right. In a world with sin, we go, man, that's arrogant. But in a world where there's no sin, you would be like, no. Praise God, all to his glory. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. This is wonderful. Wonderful. But we can't because of sin. So listen to this. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. It should be in your veins. It should be the heartbeat of our church. We have said that our vision is to be and make fully devoted followers of Christ, or that's our mission, but our vision is John 13, 34, and 35, that we would be a people that are just like John 13, 34, and 35, people who love our friends, who have stories, people who have stories that are loved by our friends. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you are to love one another. As I have loved you, so you should love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Are we Jesus' disciples? Then we must love. We, God is love, he's the source, so we can't do it. So here's your, a few applications for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek the hand of God. Today and tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, say, God, I can't love like you, like you ask. Two greatest laws, love the Lord, God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbors, love yourself. Can't do it. So God, I need your hand. Number two, I want you to think on the love of God for you. That's your next application step. You're like, so far I can't physically do anything. No, you can't. Think on the love of God for you. It's the best thing that you could give your time to. Number three, as you think about the love of God, unashamedly praise and worship God like a kid. Unashamedly praise and worship God for loving us. And lastly, and you can't do this either, be transformed by the love of God. Let it do its work. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Amen, and praise God for that. Let me pray for us. Hey, we're, we're not gonna sing at the end because um, uh, the kids care people back there don't feel loved right now, <laughs> okay? But I want you to continue to worship Jesus. Let me pray over you, and then we'll leave. God, thank you so much for loving these men and women in this room. Some of them right now concealing sin and not prospering. I pray that they see that your love is bigger than their sin. I pray that the light would shine in and drive out the darkness, drive out the lies and the distortion that if they did share it, they wouldn't be loved. I thank you, God, for Jake and his boldness to just trust in you, to seek your face and to open up and let his mess be a message. Thank you, God, that we're in a place where we have so many lives that need care and love and shepherding that we need to bring on more people to do this at a full-time pace. But may we always make this about people and not the building. We are your people, God. May you be honored, glorified, magnified in us. And I pray that when people see us in this community, they go, those people are Jesus' disciples. Look at the way they love one another. Only you can do it, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.